Welcome to the U Calgary Social Work Podcast, brought to you by, you guessed it, the Faculty of Social Work at the University of Calgary. There is a truth. And in these stories, these are these women's real lived experience through the eyes, yes, of playwrights and filmmakers but at the essence is a certain truth that everyone can identify with. That was director Ruth Lawrence talking about The Cut of It, a new film which follows a group of women navigating their own individual journeys with breast cancer, the confusion, the loss, the triumph, the pain. The film, which was preceded by a 2019 theater production staged by White Rooster Theater in Newfoundland and Labrador, where Lawrence is also artistic director, is based on the research of Dr. Kathleen Sitter, an associate professor with the U Calgary Faculty of Social Work and an adjunct professor in the Division of Community Health and Humanities at the Faculty of Medicine at Memorial University of Newfoundland. That three-year study, entitled Understanding the Experiences of Breast Cancer Patients Through Digital Stories, was guided by patient-oriented research. Using digital stories, a group of breast cancer patients created their own digital story to share their personal breast cancer treatment experiences. Dr. Sitter, Ruth Lawrence, and Megan Greeley, who wrote both the theatrical script and subsequent screenplay, are all joining us today to discuss sharing these powerful true-life stories through all of these forms, the digital stories, the stage production, and of course, the new film. The Cut of It will premiere online on October 22nd, and you will be able to find a link in the description of this episode for the website Multisensory Storytelling Studio, where you'll be able to watch the film, find contact information for Dr. Sitter, and get more information. And you'll also find a link to the original research website, Patient Stories. Thanks for joining us. The cut of it, both the film and the play which preceded it, are based on a not very common source of inspiration in the world of stage and screen, at least to my knowledge, and that is an academic research study. So let's start there. Dr. Sitter, could you give us a bit of an overview of the research that inspired this film, particularly the digital storytelling methodology you employed? Sure. So what we know is that breast cancer is the most frequently diagnosed cancer in Canadian women, with one in nine females estimated to develop breast cancer in their lifetime. So when we think about uh, breast cancer care, it can be a very complex undertaking, and it involves a combination of age, income, and travel time, are some examples that can influence uh, treatment options. I wanted to understand um, breast cancer patient experiences when it came to treatment. And we decided to do this through what's called digital storytelling. Digital storytelling, for some people who don't know, it's basically a short two to five minute film, typically, and it comes from a personal experience. And you don't need any technological background or understanding of how to make a film to do this type of work. It's uh, been growing in popularity over the last, I wanna say 15, 20 years. So the reason why we chose to use digital storytelling for this research that was conducted in Newfoundland and Labrador had to do with something called the Newfoundland-Labrador healthcare paradox. And while Newfoundland-Labrador is the lowest ranking province of healthcare outcomes in the country, it's actually one of the highest ratings for self-reported health status. And this is a concern when you're asking patients to explicitly rate their health outcomes, because there could be a risk that they might overrate one's health, which would result in ineffective policies. So what digital storytelling offers 
it's an approach that's more innovative and then we can actually identify different aspects of influencing breast cancer treatment that might be missed if we went forward with a standard interview or questionnaire. The other thing around digital stories is that we know that in, in research, when it comes to academia, uh, credibility on the street is often publications and presentations in um, getting our work out there. But what digital stories offer is it breaks down the ivory towers and you can get the work out there and people's experiences, firsthand accounts, in a whole bunch of different spaces through screenings, through classrooms, through workshops. So digital storytelling as a, as a research method and also as a form of what's called knowledge translation has been gaining popularity in uh, the last in the last little while. So when it came to this research, we adopted what's called a patient-oriented approach. And so part of our team included a patient advisor. And we worked closely with, um, with patients who have gone through uh, breast cancer treatment. And we had a series of workshops. And out of that came 18 different digital stories that were created. And they range in a whole bunch of experiences. Um, but a lot of them talk about the barriers and facilitators to health and what their experiences were when it came to uh, breast cancer. And that's kind of the approach. And then out there, I mean, it, it's called a mixed method study. So we started with the digital stories and then we looked for key themes across all of them. And then we created a bit of a survey, if you will. And then we screened these digital stories to healthcare providers that are somewhere on that trajectory when it comes to uh, breast cancer care at Eastern Health in Newfoundland and Labrador. They answered these surveys. So I think we screened them to a little bit over 130 folks, but are, they're called knowledge users. So that includes physicians, surgeons, uh, nursing staff, uh, what have you. And then from there, we did more of a deep dive around focus groups. And we spoke to folks who work at Eastern Health to identify, well, these are our key findings. What kind of change can we recommend to support people who are going through breast cancer treatment within this healthcare system. And then out there we had um, a number of different outcomes and recommendations that came forth. And maybe I'll leave it there because it's at that point is where we shifted a little bit and we explored different ways in which we could um, share this research in more creative mm -hmm. formats in the community. Okay, great. Um, Megan, why don't you tell us how uh, you came on board and uh, a little bit about the process of turning this material into a script and then a screenplay. Uh, Ruth Lawrence uh, with White Rooster, she's the artistic director of White Rooster Theatre, um, contacted me with the possibility of um, commissioning this piece uh, based on the digital stories. So I was brought on board to the project. I watched those 18 digital stories and my task was to figure out how to weave them all together, figure out what the play would ultimately look like. And, um, you know, there are certain other uh, forms of storytelling that we use as inspiration. Um, the vaginal monologues is certainly a reference uh, that we kept coming back to. Um, and ultimately I decided because the stories that we're, um, that we experienced through the digital stories, there are so many common themes in them, but also so many unique experiences. It really felt as though, despite the commonalities between these women, all of them had a very different experience navigating the healthcare system. Um, so ultimately, I decided to build many, many, many characters, far more than 18, 
uh, based on the experiences of these women to highlight the dichotomy between the universal, the universal story and the individual. So when I was um, watching the digital stories, there's some back and forth early on about whether this should be verbatim, how should it go? And uh, ultimately that didn't seem like the right path for this story. Um, that being said, I did take a lot of, of course, inspiration from all of these stories, but there were certain um, sentences that people said in the digital videos that uh, didn't need to be changed in any way. They couldn't be expressed any better than from the mouths of the people who lived this experience. So there are certainly so many lines throughout the piece that are plucked directly from that original research. Well, all of the digital stories uh, focused on different aspects of the journey through treatment and trying to figure out um, how to navigate the diagnosis. Um, I noticed a general uh, structure that the play could mirror. Uh, which is ultimately what we went with. It's very loose, but if you look at the way that the stories are compiled and the way that the choral scenes between the monologues are composed, the general structure of the play uh, essentially is five mini acts. Um, it starts with the life before, the diagnosis, the treatment plan, the journey through treatment, and then the life after. Those were the general stages that I noticed that the women were talking about. And um, uh, in terms of what subject matter to cover, so many of the women uh, voiced um, different um, decisions that they were faced with, uh, some that they wished that they had known about in hindsight. Like, I, th I think a couple of the participants talked about freezing their eggs. Um, one of them in particular did not know that that was something that she should do before chemo, before radiation. And um, another big one was the decision of whether to have surgery or not, uh, whether to have the first surgery or even whether to have reconstruction. Um, something that one of the participants said that really uh, stuck with me afterwards was that the second surgery for the reconstruction was much harder to recover from. And I remember the participants talking about things like shock that this was a day surgery. Um, and trying to navigate that care on their own. And there was this um, definite universal uh, thing that I was experiencing in all the stories. What I was getting from them was there was a sense of inherent loneliness in the diagnosis, but at the same time, also a sense of community uh, that this project built for them. Um, they found it very comforting to be able to talk about their story and to be heard and to be seen. And one of the women in their stories even said that they missed um, chemo because it was a communal experience as opposed to radiation, which was experienced alone. So those sorts of uh, seeds of stories definitely really informed the ultimate script. And uh, so many of them are in there. Uh, some of them are hidden, some of them are changed, but they're all there, I think. Okay, and how about you, Ruth? How did you uh, first come on board with this project in become introduced to the study? So I went to an, an initial meeting with uh, Kathleen and some of her researchers at, and the university um, at uh, Grenfell College, the theater school there. So I first became introduced, I guess, when we talked about how do we take these wonderful digital stories as part of the research and then make a theater play out of them. I'd worked with Megan before on several projects and I knew she'd be perfect for this. She just has an incredible empathetic sensibility. And I knew that she'd be the perfect person really 
to to transcribe these stories. I, I shouldn't say transcribed, but interpret them on the stage. Yeah, so that was how I originally uh, paired up with Megan as a playwright by commissioning her to take that piece from those digital stories that Kathleen had created from the research with those uh, patient participants. Then once we'd done the production of the play and it got such a really positive, amazing response, of course, we really wanted to tour the show as a theater company and also like a, basically the whole group of us wanted to do it. And we had a tour in place when the pandemic hit in March. We were supposed to go on tour in May of 2020, but the, the pandemic put an end to that. So we spent about six months thinking, okay, how do we continue to get this message out and not lose our momentum? And then I uh, talked to the original stage director and she said, I really think that you should put this, to, should make a video and this should be an online project. Because besides being a theater director and artistic director, I also am a filmmaker. So I said, actually, that's a great idea. So as a filmmaker, I started looking at that script then in a different way. Uh, and of course, still worked with Megan, who besides being a playwright, also is a screenwriter. So I knew she could easily take this project into that next phase. And at the beginning, you started by saying, you know, this is such an um, unusual transition to have, you know, uh, reported stories as part of a, a research project turn into these digital stories, then become a theater piece, then become a film. And it is unusual. But these stories are so compelling, so emotionally based. And the, the storytelling is done so beautifully by Megan and from the research uh, that was collected that they really transitioned just na very naturally onto the film. And I think when you see it and when people do see it, I think they'll be able to appreciate just how uh, seamless in some ways that transition was. I mean, the, hard the hardest part to be honest was actually the practicality of shooting right now because COVID's made everything harder and everything busier. But uh, I think it's an absolutely st stunning piece and I'm really proud of it. And I'm, I'm proud of all of us along the way who've contributed to it. So it's it's been pretty, it's a, a very fulfilling um, project to be a part of. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the cast. So I understand there are individuals from the study as well as uh, some names that will be well-known to Canadian audiences. That's right. We So when we did the show the first time as a theater piece, uh, the director Lois Brown and I talked a lot about like how we would transition this to the stage. And we knew that there was some interest because of course we talked to Kathleen. We were always in touch with Kathleen and we worked very closely with her. So we knew that some of the participants had some interest in maybe being involved in some way. Uh, and we actually had several of them come out and audition for the play and we cast them so so three women uh were directly on stage with us and another woman uh ran the forums as part of that original theater experience three of them also <laughs> were incredible informants to our work as actors because i was also cast in the play and all of us together there was eight in the cast we benefited so much from those three women you know, their life experience, they were incredibly sharing of their experience and their knowledge. So it really enriched our rehearsal process quite, quite deeply. 
Uh, and so then when it came time to do the film, I knew that I once again had to bring everybody that did the theater piece, if they were available, I knew I had to bring them into this film. Um, and I did, along with a few others who were not available to us at the time. So we have our, our original uh, theater cast almost entirely, I think. Uh, and we added a few others like Mary Walsh, of course, who Canadian audiences know well as a comedic actress, but who has amazing dramatic chops and she shows them in this. Um, uh, Mako Wren from, um, from Hudson and Rex is also on, uh, in our cast. And Patricia Andrews, who's also a local um, actress. And, and as well as Kim White, who's another local actress. So we actually rounded out our cast. We now have 14 women uh, on the screen. So it's pretty, pretty extraordinary, really, uh, what we've managed to accomplish with this small project. It started as a small project on our, our end and, uh, and really grew quite magnificently. Dr. Sitter, what was it like for you seeing your study interpreted in these forms, first the play and then the film? It was amazing. And I think it's really important to mention, too, in the process of when it was first becoming a play that would be performed, Ruth and Megan were unbelievably uh, open and very inclusive in making sure that uh, the stories were honored in a certain way. So as Ruth was saying, like we were in constant uh, communication, but something else that was done was, and Ruth, maybe you can jump in and say whatever the right word is here, but you had, you brought people in with uh, individuals the script and then you invited the participants from the play to come and we got to sit there and hear aspects of what was be of Megan's work at the time and then provide feedback in the moment um That's right yeah we so we did a workshop reading I think Megan was that about halfway through the process about that yeah yeah, so we brought people in. Uh, Megan, at that time, uh, Megan was living in Ontario, and so she happened to be home, and it happened to coincide with, I think, I think you were in St. John's, weren't you, Kathleen? I was, yep, I was there too. Yeah, so all the pieces fell in place, and we, um, we reached out, Kathleen invited some women to come in and listen. It was quite a powerful day, actually, because we had about five readers read the material, and then we got, I mean, we could see the women's reactions to hearing their words out loud. One of them said afterwards, it was amazing to feel so validated and to hear my story being told because I felt like it could be another woman's story as well as mine. And that in essence is what makes this piece and this story, it's, it's the universality of it is you watch these and you can say, I know someone that that happened to or I experienced that. And I think that's for us, and I'm sure it was for Megan, one of the really um, incredible moments was to have that kind of reaction where people would say, I felt like that, or I know my friend felt like that, or I've had this conversation. And that is what we strive for always. You know, our work is fictional. You know, we're always telling someone else's story as if it's our own. So we're always in some ways fictionalizing these histories in some ways, but at always there has to be a truth. There is a truth. And in these stories, these are these women's real lived experience through the eyes, yes, of playwrights and filmmakers, but at the essence is a certain truth that everyone can identify with. And I think that's what makes this project uh, not just appealing, but I think it's the thing that makes it so compelling. If I can just jump in, like 
to I mean Megan was unbelievably thoughtful around coming back and saying hey can you ask the women these questions or I'm um, just curious about X, Y, and Z. And it was a really, I thought it was a really beautiful process around uh, collaboration with with respect to where people were at when it comes to like, this is kind of the research study that we're shifting more into the knowledge translation and more of a creative creative place with the play. And the other thing that was done with the play um, at the time was, as Ruth was talking to, there was a panel. So at, with the play, I think it was performed for five days straight or something like, is that, is that about right, Ruth? <laughs> it's been a yes, couple of years. that's right. We, we right. did a run of five shows, yeah. Five shows, which were free. People did have to book their tickets, but they came. And then afterwards, we had a panel every single night. And on that panel, there was someone, um, either the director um, and yeah, um, a production company or some, someone from White Rooster, also the director. There was at least one actor, uh, participant from the research study and uh, someone from the research team. And that panel was facilitated by one of the women who was originally part of the, um, the research, uh, who participated in the research as well. And then it was folks who had been in the audience, they come and then afterwards, They'd be able to, uh, the panel is probably about a half an hour of asking questions around the process, which is a nice uh, piece to add because part of that process is quite powerful to consider how did this come from a research study and uh, move into this space. And then this, like the play we're really excited about, um, they're, um, we're launching on October 22nd, which is a Friday. It's online on the website, multisensorystudio.ca. And it's purposely accessible so people don't have to pay to see it. We want to make sure that it gets out to as many people as possible. Um, and it aligns, the reason why we did it in October is because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we thought that it was an important time to, uh, to launch this amazing play. So, yeah. Before we go, and at Dr. Sitter's request, we'd like to extend a big thank you on her behalf to all of the research study participants. Without their stories, none of this would have been possible. And also, an acknowledgement of all the hard work of the research team who are so instrumental in getting this project off the ground. That includes Drs. Aaron Cameron, Natalie Beausoleil, Alex Matheson, Gail Weidman, Aaron McGowan, as well as Rosemary Lester. Additionally, the theatrical script of The Cut of It is available for anyone interested in mounting a production. You can reach out to the team via the multi-sensory storytelling website mentioned earlier. Once again, all the links are in the episode description. And with that, we've come to the end of another pod. Until next time, take care.